A little X minus one to get us started on a Monday. Great day here. Knowing Derek Carr is going to be the Saints' problem, not the Jets. I'm happy. I'm ready. Let's get it going. Three hours with you on a Monday edition of the program. 150 million and 100 guaranteed. Listen, I know he's wacko. I know he's a prima donna. I know he's a little crazy. I'll take that. I'll take that with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Even if it implodes, fine. I, I, the guy was the MVP of the league two years ago. All right? That, as simple as that. Uh, give me that, even if it costs the number one, versus, uh, you know, Derek Carr. Personally, I wouldn't even be. I wouldn't even mind if I had Jimmy G. I mean, I, I think this team can win with Jimmy G. The problem is Jimmy G can't stay healthy, so that's the issue there. But hey, uh, I love the fact that we have some NFL to get us going here on a Monday afternoon. And uh, trust me when I tell you that. And, and who knows? Maybe Derek Carr works out there in New Orleans. Maybe his skill set and with what the Saints have to offer, maybe it fits. I, I don't know, but that's a lot of money to throw out there. $150 million, 100 guaranteed for Derek Carr? Oh, no. No. So, uh, you know, Saints had the money to spend. They spent it. And all I can tell you is uh, it seems like now more than ever, you know, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets uh, makes the most sense because I thought the Raiders were in play. They're not anymore. And I don't know who else is in play for Aaron Rodgers. Do you? Well, I would say the Panthers are probably the other outside the chance, uh, I guess, person or team to be involved with Aaron Rodgers right now, Steve. But real quick, uh, with Derek Carr to the Saints right now, he's the best quarterback in that division by far. Oh, that division stinks. Well, I mean, that's why you do it if you're the Saints. I'm just saying uh, you pay him all that guaranteed money. You pay him $100 million guaranteed because he's the best quarterback in that division by far. Uh, With the Panthers, you have no name starting quarterback whatsoever so big question mark there Falcons have Desmond Ritter as their option I think the Bucks their only option is Kyle Trask uh, former Florida quarterback who has never played a snap in the NFL and so yeah the, the options at quarterback in this division um, are, you know they're not actually exciting whatsoever and Derek Carr going to the Saints you got Alvin Kamara you got Taysom Hill you've got Chris Olave young receiver you have some weapons to work with you can make an argument that they are definitely the favorites to come out of the NFC South, uh, bar none. Now, real quick, Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Yes, they are now definitely the front runners, but this hurts, I think, the negotiation Agreed. and the position that the pack, uh, the Jets could be to try to talk with the Packers. I don't know, Steve. I still think uh, I, I think Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. I could see I that, do. too. I, I could I, see that, too. So they might ha- I mean, the Jets might have to go with option C. Which is Jimmy G. Or who else? I don't even know who's left. Yeah, I don't know who else is out there because uh, the trading for Lamar Jackson thoughts out there, hey, that's still a possibility. But then after that, it starts to get pretty slim and and all the options out there, you'll probably have to unload or, or send off the kitchen sink to try to get a quarterback in exchange. Yeah, that's probably the case. Um, look, and then here's the thing, too. The weird thing about if Rodgers still decides to stay with the Packers is their management has openly endorsed uh, Jordan Love for the job. So they've kind of given Love the uh, we'd love to have you as our starting quarterback routine, yet 
maybe that was a little premature considering Aaron Rodgers is still under contract as their starting quarterback. What if Aaron Rodgers decides, I don't want to go play with the Jets. I don't want to go to New York. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to deal with the media and deal with all that. I want to. I, I'm, no, I don't want to go there. Then what? Yeah, exactly. And maybe throughout this time of internal reflection, uh, to put it nicely for Aaron Rodgers, maybe throughout this whole time he realized he just wants to stay in Green Bay because he doesn't not like the situation in New York or Las Vegas or wherever else more than the situation he has currently in Green Bay. And sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side. And for Jordan Love, uh, I think the front office like, still likes the idea with uh, with Jordan Love moving forward, Rodgers is going to have to leave the, the franchise eventually, and maybe it's not this offseason, but who knows when it'll ever be. And meanwhile, I don't even know what the Jets are doing with Zach Wilson. That's the crazier thing. Trade him. I, you know, they could – you realize something. They could trade him to Green Bay in a deal that involves Aaron Rodgers because what if love doesn't work out? At least then have another number one yet's young, uh, making no money to fall back on. Maybe he's part of that trade. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I, or maybe they, they give him away to somebody else. So, yeah, that is kind of weird. I mean, you just don't know uh, about Zach. And, and, I'm, and I am so out on Zach Wilson. Uh, I'm just telling you. As a, as a Jet fan, no thank you. And, you know, he would, be a, he would have been a backup if they signed Derek Carr. Um, he'd still be a backup if they traded for 39-year-old Grandpa Rodgers. And, and, and here's the thing, too, about Rodgers, okay? Rodgers would probably be a two-year fix. But the Jets are built to win now. They're not a team that needs three, four, five years. They've got enough young receivers with that defense. They're ready to go right now. And, and the worst part for the Jets is they're in the toughest divi- the conference in football. I mean, you got the Bills, you've got um, you know, you've got Kansas City, you've got Cincinnati, you've got Baltimore. So that's why you know if they could somehow find a way to get Lamar Jackson, and you were going to trade number ones, that's probably the trade that would make the most sense for that franchise. Uh, you know, get a get a twenty six year old, not a thirty nine year old. I agree completely. I also feel like with an aging quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, what's the appeal of trying to go to the AFC knowing how loaded uh, that conference really is? And when you look at the path to success uh, through the NFC, the quarterbacks out there who stand out, I mean, you could probably count them on one hand. Uh, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, um, that's probably about it out of the NFC East, the NFC North. I'm not including any other quarterback besides Aaron Rodgers in that mix. Sure, maybe you can include Derek car and if you do that you have to include Matt Stafford and that's it those are your top quarterbacks out of the NFC if you want to, uh, to tell me Geno Smith should be in there please come but, on but this is why I don't think Green Bay trades him to Carolina I, I think right. that if they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers they're getting him out of the conference I don't think they're trading him within the within the conference I agree with you on that because if you do that uh, you're you're essentially giving another team in the NFC uh, a chance to be a contender and I feel like Aaron Rodgers will do that for any, any NFC team in the AFC. I think you have to actually surround him, uh, or, you know, uh, by an entire team or like some really good pieces, kind of like the Jets. Yep. But maybe even that won't be enough to actually get out of the AFC, knowing how stacked it is. So true. So so true. Uh, meanwhile, let me say this: Congratulations to Geno Smith, man. If there was ever a guy that parlayed late in late in his career success into a great contract, my goodness. 
three years, $105 million to stay oh. with Seattle? Did this just happen? Just happened. Oh, nice. That's a good deal. We were wondering what that number would look like, and he gets over the $100 uh, million mark. That's, a, that's very interesting right there. And this just goes to show you something, okay? If you were at one point a first-round quarterback, and you failed with the team that drafted you, and then you went to another team and you failed again because you were kind of like a backup, but you never really thrust into that starter role. And then you, you hold a clipboard a bunch of years and you're, you're, you're really a second stringer. And then you get your opportunity and you seize it in a market that nobody would have expected. And you get a cash in on a $105 million three-year contract. Good for you. That is, I, I couldn't be happier for Geno Smith. And it just goes to show you, you could be labeled a bust Early in your career in the NFL, and who's to say that by the time five, six, seven, eight years down the road when you're hitting 30, uh, you all of a sudden get that opportunity, you make the most of it. It's so rare. Listen, it is so rare when a Geno Smith situation happens in the NFL, which is all the more reason I'm happy for him, and uh, I'm, I'm still, still amazes me that he was able to go to Seattle, play so well when given the opportunity, and uh, as he deserves, get rewarded with this three-year contract. Just put it into perspective that uh, he also took over the reins at the quarterback spot from Russell Wilson, who pretty much dominated the NFC West for uh, you know a larger part of a decade. And the, the Seahawks were great. They went to two Super Bowls under Russell Wilson. They won a Super Bowl under him as well with Pete Carroll in this nucleus. And they thought, okay, well, it's time to hit the full reset button. Uh, odds makers had the Seahawks among the teams who could get the top overall pick, meaning they'd be the worst team this past year, and they went to the playoffs. They made it all the way to the uh, wild card round of the NFC playoffs, and it shows you that, uh, A, they are a team that won't back down under Pete Carroll. They're, they're always going to be a solid contender out there, and B, Geno Smith still has something left in him. Maybe guys like Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, uh, former top overall picks uh, in their respective draft classes, can learn a little bit from Geno to try to revitalize their career uh, post being labeled a bust. That's a great point. Uh, and that's it's just an example. It's an example for all the guys that are, you're right, all the busts out there. Hey, you still there's hope for you still. Yes. Just stick around long enough and maybe it can happen to you. Yeah, and that's why you see some of those guys float around rosters. They might be, re- I mean, like in Sam Darnold's case, could be released, could be on another roster this year, and same with Baker Mayfield. But guys, kind of journeymen in, in a sense, who really want to find their team and and a you know a group yeah. that will actually take a chance on them. Trust me, Lane Frank will be looking at this contract and saying Sam yes. Darnold's going to be the next uh, Geno Smith in a couple of years. Yeah, you know he's Lane, predicted it. He loves his Sam Darnold. He does. Like he does. All right. Um, I'll get to all the UTEP talk today on the show. Plus, we've got uh, Brett Bloomquist joining us in our 5 o'clock hour to talk about the men and the women, which we'll get to as well in depth and talk about them and give us your attorney preview since we're going to be airing all the games this week. But first, let me go to Memphis Drew. He joins us 13 past. I have a feeling I know what he wants to talk about as we lead things off with Drew here on a Monday edition of the program. Thanks for the phone call, Drew. You're our leadoff hitter today. Get it started. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, there's... A rough week in Memphis this weekend. Uh, all national headlines, uh, and I'll touch on your on the Memphis Tigers. Also, they played a hell of a game against number one Houston, but they lost at the buzzer. Did you get to see any clips of that one? Uh, just the end. But you're right. Yeah. They played them. They played them tough. Played them right there to win. Didn't come out that way. But listen, when it comes uh, tournament time. 
uh, Memphis, assuming they will be able to get into the tournament, could be uh, one of those uh, 12 seeds that could do some damage. I think so. I think so. Another Memphis story. Uh, Memphian, anyway. University of Memphis running back, Tony Pollard, got franchise. Uh, what do you think that means for Elliott? He's gonna have to, you think he's going to resign at a lower level or I think it depends what the, I think it depends what the Cowboys do in the draft. I mean, I think if the Cowboys end up taking Bijan Robinson, Elliott's probably done this summer and would be released. I mean, you would think they could go with Pollard and, and Robinson as a nice one two punch. Don't know and, and I don't know if Elliott, who actually had a pretty good season last year, is willing to take a discount and take less money to stick around with the Cowboys knowing they franchise Pollard. He might want to look elsewhere right now and see if he can find another deal going to another club. Uh, okay. On what do you think, the by the way? What do you, what do you think? You think Elliot will stick around, or do you think he'll end up going someplace else? I guess it depends on the money, but, uh, you know, you get a lot of benefits for being a former Cowboy or, you know, associated with the Cowboys. So All I know is this. Hopefully he'll sign for uh, a lower amount of money. I mean, when you talk about what he's going to cost the Cowboys, $16.4 million against the cap. With a non-guaranteed base of ten point four million dollars, um, you know they 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 probably will do what they did with guys like Des Bryant and Demarcus Ware, and that is you know um, you know well now remember they released those guys without even um, making offers to take a pay cut. So um, you know hopefully maybe in this case they'll give Zeke that opportunity. I don't know. It's such an interesting thing because if you think about it, he had a knee injury, um, 876 yards, and I think if you asked Cowboys fans who they would rather keep, they would all say Pollard over Elliott. So maybe this is the end of the road for Zeke in Dallas. I could, I could see that. On to the Grizzlies, the national story, Morant. Uh, I hope he gets the necessary help and uh, takes as much time as he needs uh it's a shame boy we we're a second seed and now clark went out uh one of my uh, best reserve uh forwards yeah. adams been out dylan brooks he i think we should move on from him he gets into too much too much talk and technical technical files but uh Morant's a big story there. Well, as you would expect. Listen, Morant, Morant's a big story because he's the face of the franchise, one of the best young players in the game. In the league. Yeah, exactly. And when you've got somebody at 5.30 in the morning going on Instagram Live uh, wielding a gun, and now we're hearing stories about other stuff that's happened with him involving the same kind of situation, including a, a disputed a pickup basketball game in his backyard where he did it to a 17-year-old kid, uh, that's scary stuff. That really is. You can't you can't have that if you're the NBA right now. And I think they realize it. And 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 he's a 23 year old who's been given a lot early on in his life. And clearly, right now, um, maybe maybe if you think about it, maybe this will actually benefit because before that, if if you do something really bad, all of a sudden you, your whole life is ruined. So maybe there's a chance they could at least salvage something. He could salvage something since he'll get help and hopefully uh, find a way to uh, you know. Um, not just come back to the league, but put himself in a position to where he's not going to harm himself or uh, somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And finally, I'll get off with this. Uh, congratulations, uh, John Jones, UFC heavyweight champion. Oh, yeah, Bones. I remember about 10 years ago, Steve, we were down 
Silent Park yep. at that auto dealership, man. I got to find that photo. Yeah. I looked at the I story. Got I got mine. I so, got my autograph phone of John Jones. So here's the funny thing about Bones. Thanks to you, sir. You know what? I uh, appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in today, Drew. We'll talk to you. Um, I found that story online. The problem is it was published so many years ago that it was before we had to put high-res photos on there. So I'm trying to get the original photos, upscale them, and get that thing back because I had the greatest face-to-face stare down with Bones Jones at that Sunland Park dealership, and I'll never forget it because we looked at each other, and he looked like he was ready to kill me. I looked like I was ready to kill him. And then all of a sudden, he like pauses, breaks character, and goes, you have beautiful eyes, and that was the and they start and, and and we started laughing, and that was the end oh, of that. That's so cool. Bones was bones story. bones was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, what a story that was at uh, UFC this past Saturday, and uh, going back and winning the heavy and being away for three years, and then doing what he did early in that match to win the belt again, unbelievable. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Uh, the opponent that he went up against uh, was also really good. I mean, Gain was like eleven two and zero. Like he he is a, a strong fighter itself in itself. So you just sh- it just shows you that when John Jones moves up in weight class, uh, moves up to the heavyweight spot and dominates the way he did in that opening round, yep. shows that he's one of the greatest uh, UFC fighters ever. And and there's really no question about it. Loved what we saw from Saturday 100%. from John, John Bones Jones. That's true. 19 pass, just getting going here on the program. We'll come back with more phone calls, more uh, tweets. Check the app as well. A lot of ways to get into the show today as we head to Charlie One and get this uh, update on what's going on on the streets and highways here in El Paso. Well, I'll say this. I found the uh, Bones Jones photo. I got to get the I got to figure out how to restore the original gallery cuz that that's long gone, but the photo that I was talking about, at least I found that at 600espnelpaso.com. And by the way, Bones is at least I would say what do you think he goes about 62? No, he's like 6'5", I would think. Is he's he tall. Really? He's a tall guy. Hang on one second. Let me see. Because I got to... My guess would be 6'5", based on how he was. 6'4". 6'4". Okay. Yeah. He's right. tall. 6'4". And I would say that I come up to, like, about... If you look at it, you know, it's it's tough. Because I felt like I was looking at his nose when I was in that stare down with him. So, yeah. I feel like I was about a... Half a head short, you know that. Yeah, I when can was all, see that. When it was all said and done. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a big dude, man. Yeah, he's, he was. he's very big, and now he's even bigger. He's like two fifty. He was a light heavyweight champ in those days. Yeah, so probably what fifty pounds uh, less, right there. Uh, I would think. Yeah, it was crazy. But those are those are the days, man. Those were the days. Some fun. I miss those days. All right, uh, you can uh, get into the program. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Also, chiming into the show, 505-6009. That is 505-6009. And uh, if you have the uh, mobile app, uh, chat with us while you listen to the show as well uh, through the 600 ESPN El Paso app powered by First American Bank. Adrian stopped by Utah practice today, had a bunch of interviews before uh, practice ended. Uh, and thoughts on uh, the last uh, few minutes of practice and talking to the guys? Yeah, it was interesting. I kind of focused with uh, some of the receivers. I, I posted some observations and just posted that that's probably one of my favorite competitions so far because we have really no clue as to who are some of these guys competing for top uh, receiving roles on UTEP football, especially with the offense. Uh, we know Kelly Akari. 
We know Jeremiah Ballard. Those are the guys who played a little bit last year. Marcus Bellin played as well, but in in a limited role. You could even argue just Jostine Clark, who hasn't really seen the field much, uh, but he's in and out of the lineup as well for the wide receivers. But a lot of newcomers at that receiving spot. Dre Spriggs was the guy who stood out to me uh, the most. UTSA transfer, and uh, UTEP will definitely be relying on him to for his upside mm-hmm. to see what he could bring to the table. So that position battle interests me the most uh and then i just watched that defensive front i mean that defensive line is has been and will continue to be the best uh you know yep. position group on utep uh spriggs is 6-2 by the way did you get a chance to see him in action a little bit what impressed yes. you uh he got well I, I did get a chance to see him he went out at one point because he got rocked uh by a, a secondary member it, it looked like he was he didn't even expect the hit coming his way but uh i, I thought he runs his routes pretty solid he has nice route running skills I also like his hands like he caught you know the passes that were coming his way whenever I got a chance to see him so he could bring some different things limited action we didn't get a chance to see him um, you know in full uh, the full practice because like I said he got knocked out at one point uh, came back but was just doing you know light work wasn't back into contact work if you want to uh, get an opportunity to see what uh Adrian is talking about he spent time with uh, both Spriggs, Jeremiah Ballard, and Dana Dibble. He uh, tweeted those out. We retweeted those as well through 600 ESPN El Paso's account, which you can uh, definitely look to check out while you have the opportunity. Also, one other thing I want to mention uh, is uh, Chapin's run came to an end this weekend, but what an effort they had. Um, I mean, you think about it. They took Mansfield Summit down to the wire. That game, I think, was about a five-point game when it was all said and done, Adrian. But uh, Chapin... Uh, they really fared, uh, I thought they fared terrific and just never gave up. Never really did at all. I look at that double overtime victory and that's where it starts. We we left the air Friday not knowing what was happening uh, with that Chapin matchup uh, in the court, in the Sweet 16 round against Wiley. And that Wiley team was, ex- or Wyatt, that team was excellent um, this past weekend and Chapin just had to go their way. But after a double overtime game, that probably just gassed them, Steve. I'll just be honest with you. Manfield Summit. It could have been any team uh, at, at the in the Elite Eight. I just felt like the Huskies were so gassed from playing a double overtime game and give all the credit to that squad. What an unbelievable run uh, and making it all the way to the Elite Eight. They should definitely be proud of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, in that game it was David Terrell, the future UTEP minor, going up against the Huskies. So um, you know, that's also kind of a fun storyline just to see that um, you know, and, and um Again, you think about what happened, and and I'd love to get maybe some. We can find out uh, some thoughts from Rodney Lewis down the road. We talk to him, just get his thoughts on what he expected, what he saw from David Terrell, and what he thinks that Terrell could be able to do uh, here at UTEP just from the game that his team went up against him. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I I will tell you this. uh, Mixed bag when it came to David Terrell, and I I asked some feedback from people uh, as far as what they thought of him. Some liked what he could do in terms of passing, liked his court vision. Others questioned, can he really score or, like, can he really shoot and score? He'll fit Uh, right in. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I kind of thought to myself. Uh, exactly what UTEP needs is a pure scorer. And I don't know if David Terrell is that yet, but maybe he could become that kind of prospect. He has great size, which is one of the fee- uh, bits of feedback that I received from him. Let me say this, okay? Um, if you're going to rebuild this team and expect it to compete to win a Conference USA champion- a championship next year, you cannot rely on a true freshman 
who right now projects as more of a uh, a project that could grow into his ability down the road. You need to go get yourself some instant impact players immediately. David Terrell um, has bloodlines here. I remember his dad when he played football. He was a heck of a player. But the fact is, um, he was not a highly regarded guy. This is not somebody who was being recruited by other big group of fives or power five players. UTEP got him. I'm happy they got him. But the fact is, Adrian, they need to go out and get themselves some experienced players to, uh, after the season, reload and make a, make a legitimate run next year for a, a chance to go play in the postseason. Yeah, keyword is experience. I want somebody who has played and has shot well from the Division One level. I, I mean, that's kind of the key for me when I'm looking at uh, off-season transfer, I guess, uh, wish list for this UTEP men's basketball squad. It's not only getting shooters, but getting guys who've scored at the Division One level, in my opinion, because that, that's what you need right now. You need proven commodities. You do, and it's definitely something we're going to talk about with this tournament coming up here, beginning uh, Wednesday for the men and Thursday for the women. Bottom of the hour. 505-6009. That's our telephone number. Want to hear from you as we head over to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Also, uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. All right. Uh, first off, let's talk about Saturday's performance by the UTEP men. Uh, they shot the ball extremely well, especially uh, you know in the first half and for a good part of that second half, and then you know things might have tailed off a little bit as of late. But for the, you know, if you look at the way they played against Middle Tennessee, I think that this was kind of the best case scenario of what we hoped they would be offensively during the season. I, I, they they shot the ball well from three point land. They shot the ball well from the line. Um, they just looked like a different team offensively against the, uh, you know, against Middle Tennessee than we had seen in really uh, much of this season. So uh, it goes to show you that it can happen. It did happen. And it happened on senior day, which Shamar Givens was the only senior honored, but his family was there. Felt good for him. Saw the video uh, that uh, UTEP posted on social when he went into the locker room and was being congratulated by his teammates afterwards. That was a good feeling. And at least this basketball team had some positive momentum for a change heading into the tournament this week in Frisco. And by the way, it's anybody's guess what's going to really happen on Wednesday when the Miners uh, play Western Kentucky at 430 uh, countdown to Priya to a tip-off at 4, so we'll have no show on uh, Wednesday. In fact, we will have minor talk, which will probably take the air around 7 o'clock, give or take a few minutes, depending on what happens if the Miners win or lose. If they lose, probably a little longer post-game show than usual because John and Steve will wrap things up with some more thoughts before Adrian and Sal take the airwaves. If they win, then uh, more about the 7 o'clock like we would see for a regular game. But uh, once again... I don't know what to think for this game. The Miners have had troubles against Western Kentucky in both games they faced and because of their size, but Western was absolutely annihilated by North Texas on Saturday in a game that was so ugly they weren't even competitive. They scored in the 30s. So you say to yourself, how does a team that played well in El Paso against the Miners 
lays such a giant egg in Denton against North Texas, and that, in a sense, sums up why Western Kentucky has been so frustrating this year. For a team that was picked second, they've been up and down all year. Case in point, what happened Thursday and Saturday? Yeah, I'm with you, Steve, or maybe it's also a difference between the second seed and the ninth seed in Conference USA. I I just feel like North Texas, UAB, and Florida Atlantic, they're just kind of an inch better than everybody else in this league, even though Conference USA has a ton of parity and there is some good balance across uh, this conference. Western Kentucky is a bad matchup for UTEP. In my opinion, this was the worst matchup UTEP could have. Uh, When you look at the kind of bottom-tier teams out of CUSA, I would have rather UTEP played Florida International La Tech. I mean, for crying out loud, any other any other team other than Western Kentucky, even Rice, uh, I would have rather UTEP play in this case versus uh, Western because uh, Western Kentucky at their best, they're they're really good. I mean, they've got some excellent talent. At their worst, we saw what happened this past Saturday. They struggle against the second best team in CUSA. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think this is a tough task for the Miners, and we're, they're going to have to come up with a better game plan than they did this past Thursday, which they lost at home, or uh, a couple, you know, that they had a couple weeks ago when they were on the road. North Texas is a really good shooting team, and Western Kentucky is at its best when it limits inside hoops and uses their size to their advantage. So how do you beat Western Kentucky? You beat them with a team that is exactly what North Texas has, and that's what UTEP lacks. Now, UTEP looked like that team Saturday against Middle Tennessee, but it has been a rare occasion this season when UTEP has looked like that. So you kind of say to yourself, all right, can the Miners replicate what they did against Middle and shoot the ball really well? If they do, they'll have a chance to beat Western Kentucky and be ready for Florida Atlantic. But if they struggle shooting like they have in both of those matchups and like we've seen for a good part of this season, then you're right. The matchup is awful. The season could most likely come to an end on Wednesday, and it would be a real shame to see this team bow out in the first round of the CUSA championship. Well, knowing that it is a first round of the CUSA tournament and knowing it is on a neutral court, I do expect UTEP to be extremely competitive in this one. And even, you know, you look back to last week's win for Western Kentucky, 73-68, I didn't think it was as close as that six-point, uh, or, you know, uh, in this in that game, that five-point win would have indicated. But nonetheless, uh, I think this one will be extremely close close back and mm-hmm. forth maybe goes de- goes down to the final possession uh and maybe you give the nod to a team like western who just was a, a little better than the minors this well season. they were and i mean you know you it's so hard to say final possession will it be a blowout will it be close could utep win we really don't know i mean i'm with you though this was the one matchup between the seeds you didn't want you wanted florida international who ends up coming big up big with a win on saturday uh, against rice You also would have been okay with Louisiana Tech because La Tech is another team that the Miners have a a pretty decent matchup with, But and you really wanted Rice. If there was a team you would have loved to have seen in the first round, it would have been Scott Perra and Rice. But unfortunately, we don't get any of those three. We get the team with size, the team that uh, UTEP has has struggled with in both games, but we'll, we'll say this again. It is difficult to beat a team three times in one season. It really is. Not easy to beat a team three times in one season. It's easier if you're Florida Atlantic, 
Maybe not necessarily if you're an up-and-down team like Western Kentucky, but UTEP has to shoot the ball well. And Adrian, as we've said before, we'll say it again, they're not a good shooting team. They looked like it on Saturday, but that has been uh, more of an anomaly than anything else. Yeah, I'm with you there. I would also say the the positive for UTEP, one thing that we can draw from, just Joe Golding himself, I loved his game plan in the opening round win against Old Dominion last year in the CUSA tournament. I really did. I thought that they went for it all. It was a team that was kind of on their same level in ODU, and UTEP came out and and they, they dominated that one in that victory. They won by 10. So I like Joe Golding in kind of a winner go home scenario just in terms of his game plans. Uh, And if this game is kind of their Super Bowl, so to speak, why not? They throw the kitchen sink out at Western Kentucky. They go out there and try to uh, erase kind of the record books and what we've seen as of late between these two programs when they face each other. Why can't the Miners upset in the first round? Then you just look in the second round and the kind of uh, Goliath of a matchup you have right there in Florida Atlantic. Nobody's expecting that, all right? Nobody is expecting that. A, a, a win over Florida Atlantic. In fact, most probably aren't even expecting a win over Western Kentucky. Right. So if UTEP was to get into the second round uh, of this thing, that would be a major coup. But uh, once again, we're re- nobody really is giving this team any chance to make a deep run in the tournament. In fact, if you were to ask me what's going to happen – the easy answer is to say season ends Wednesday. Hope you're wrong. Hope you're proved wrong. Hopefully this team has got a lot left in them and they'll save the best for last. But Adrian, the obvious answer is, yeah, this season could end on Wednesday. They're playing on Wednesday for a reason. They're not a top five team in this conference for a reason. And it's going to take uh, an, it's an uphill battle from here for this Miners basketball program. We'll come back, wrap up hour one in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. One of my favorite tracks from the Alan Parsons Project as we welcome you back. A little breakdown for you. Again, 505-6009-600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Minor Eddie Mac tweets the show. Well, why don't you guys talk about some strategic changes that UTEP will need to beat Western Kentucky? Come on now. Ha, 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 ha. All right. You're right, Minor Eddie Mac. Um, I'll give you one. Make shots from the outside. All right? You do that, you don't have to rely on an inside game that was completely ineffective against them the last time. It'll probably give a guy like Zarek Onyema a much better opportunity to try to work a little bit inside, which he was uh, a non-factor in the last game on Thursday because they couldn't shoot the ball well from the outside. Adrian... It is amazing when you can actually shoot from the perimeter, um, especially against teams that are very good against the post, what that will do for your offensive abilities. Yeah, I would just say this. They hit... 10 three-pointers against Western Kentucky last week, and look at what that got them. I mean, it didn't really get them uh, into a close game necessarily with Western Kentucky when it was all said and done. I know it was a five-point game, but that game was not a, as close as the score would indicate, in my opinion. Uh, at at one point, or at, at what point does UTEP think, let's scrap the game plan and go a little small. Let's go back to that small ball approach lineup, use Calvin Solomon at the five, maybe not use Zarek Yema and Kevin Kalu against Western Kentucky specifically, knowing that you have that size disadvantage. Uh, but in that case, 
then you'd you'd have to still go up against a seven foot three uh, center like Western Kentucky has and try to at least uh, be you know respectable on the glass. You take away the ten out of twenty from downtown. UTEP was fourteen out of thirty two from the field. And that's it's not good enough. No, that's terrible. No, no. It's, that's that's not and, a good number at all. And ten of nineteen from the line. Yeah. Look, you lose by five, and you miss nine free throws. You 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 know that's part of the problem. You, and you got to take care of the basketball. They had nineteen turnovers. Okay, um, you know you think you're probably going to get beat on the glass. They did, thirty two twenty seven, but the the turnovers were a problem. The free throws were a problem. It's like if you shoot good free throws. You make your threes, and you don't turn the ball over, you're probably going to have a pretty good chance to win that game. But when you do one out of three, it is really difficult. Really difficult. And they had no inside game, too, which we have to, you know, you have to still bring that point up. Yeah, I would also say this. Western Kentucky in the two matchups shot 50% or better against the Miners uh, from two-point range. So that hurts UTEP as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're allowing a team to shoot over 50% in the first game and almost 60% in the second, that's that's awful. you got to guard them. Yeah, you have to be better defensively. This is a defensive-minded team right It is. It is. So I think that was the the issue. You you know, you, you give up points too easily on the defensive side. You turn it over 19 times, you miss a ton of free throws, and it's hard to win. It is hard to win a basketball game like that. So you're right. This is a team that has always kind of used defense to be their calling card. Well, you got to guard a team that scored, what do you have, 36 points on Saturday? Yeah, I what mean, was the final? It yeah, was um, the final was 30, uh, 67, 33. Even so worse, yeah, thirty three points against North Texas. And in case you want the box for that one, let's give it to him. It was thirty eight eighteen after one, twenty nine fifteen was the score in the second half. Western Kentucky shot twenty seven percent in the ball game, twenty seven percent, and they were two of eleven from three. And they were 5 of 14 from the line. Basically the opposite of the offensive version that showed up at UTEP. With uh, this this team also, when you're looking at Western Kentucky, a big key is to stop Davion McKnight. He scored in double figures in both the games for the Miners. He was held uh, pretty much, you know, really limited against Western. Uh, excuse me, against uh, North Texas. And for Western Kentucky, they kind of live and die by Davion McKnight. He killed it this past week against the Miners with 20 plus points, led all scores in that game. And so in this one, you have to figure out a way to stop them. Four points on two of ten shooting against North Texas. Non-factor. 0 of 1 from three-point land. So That might be your key right there, slowing him down. Right. That's, they, they, there's your answer for mine already, Mac. All right, one hour in the books. When we come back, hour two, featuring Brett Bloomquist. He's 25 minutes away. He'll talk about the men and the women heading into the tournament this week in Frisco as Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Kaplow, it's Adrian Broaddus with you here on a Monday afternoon. You want in on the show? Now is the time to do it. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Be an easy way to uh, join us here on the show. And we got a lot to talk about. Things that uh, we've discussed, a lot of UTEP to begin things, which, by the way, um, 
you know, Miners have their uh, spring football practice going this week. Then they're off next week. They'll be back the following week. We got basketball. We got all the basketball you want. Women play 10.30 on Thursday. If they win, they play 3.30 on Friday in the semis. They win that, they play in the championships. The women, by the way, nearly knocked off Middle Tennessee on the road. They beat Middle Tennessee here. Middle Tennessee is ranked in the top 25. UTEP was tied with the ball, seven seconds left, with a chance to win that game on Saturday. Unfortunately, they lost in overtime, but this is the kind of team that could make a run and go all the way to, to um, you know the NCAA tournament. No doubt about it. Yeah, I'm with you completely there, and it, we've seen it all season long from this women's basketball team. Head coach Kevin Baker has talked about it as well, just kind of the, the consistency that this team needs to play with uh, when it comes to their key matchups. And this past weekend, I mean, that uh, great, thrilling matchup that we saw over Middle Tennessee, 72-68 was the final, and it's fitting, right, that UTEP gets a game at the Haskins Center against Middle Tennessee and they go on the road and they drop one against this team as well. These two teams just don't like each other and have no. played in such great matchups all season long. It goes all the way back to, um, well, it goes back years, but uh, there's a lot happening with the coaching staff of Middle Tennessee. A lot. And it's a father-son team. The son is even more cocky than the dad, if you can believe that. Wow. And that's rubbed uh, some veteran uh, UTEP uh, coaches the wrong way. Let's put it that way. Not surprised there. I mean, a lot of personalities that you're seeing. And, hey, they, they're a ranked team. They have a little bit of uh, moxie, I should say, t- to them just as a program. And you know what? For the Miners, I- I'd be curious if they end up playing Middle Tennessee here in the tournament uh, down the line. And for UTEP playing against uh, Louisiana Tech, somebody who they swept this year. I mean, they beat them both times this season. So maybe a- an opponent that they have a, a little uh, familiarity and strong familiarity against. Uh, I could see that, too. To. Meanwhile, um, if you want to talk minors, we'd love to get it going. 505-6009, that is our telephone number. We've talked about the men. We've talked about the women. Uh, touched on the women. We'll have Brett Bloomquist uh, elaborating on both when he joins us about 15 minutes from now. I'm looking forward to having Bloomy, who I'm sure will be making a trip if he's not there already, to uh, talk a little bit about them. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, also are following the situation out in Lubbock, but Mark Adams is done, okay? He is not going to be coaching the Red Raiders in the Big 12 um, tournament and has been suspended. In fact, the school has called it, quote, inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comments. And according to Texas Tech, Adams was encouraging a player to be more receptive to coaching and then referenced Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their masters. End quote. Adams apologized to the team after he found out the player was upset about the use of the Bible verse. And once athletic director Kirby Hokut was made aware of the incident, um, issued a written reprimand to Adams, made the decision to suspend him, um, and now is not going to be coaching them in the Big 12 tournament, they face West Virginia, by the way, in the first round. You you would have to think that Adams is done. Uh, by the way, this is a, this is and this is going to go on Hokut. You know, he signed a, an extension last spring, running through the 26-27 season, and would get paid 15 and a half million over those five years. 
a ton of money. Now, um, if Texas Tech decides to fire him without cause, he's going to be owed more than $7 million, 60% of what's left on that contract. To me, Steve, the thing that jumps out um, to me is how quickly things change in college basketball. It's just it's it's wild to see how fast uh, we've seen Texas Tech rise to prominence across college basketball on the men's side and then fall down to earth mm-hmm. here in just a matter of a year. I mean, last year they were at the top of the Big Twelve. This year they're firing the or they're suspending their coach due to racial remarks that he made that made a player upset and. and I don't blame the player being upset about being in an environment like that. And I'd also say for this, uh, now on to the next coach for Texas yep. Tech, the third coach in what, uh, the span of four years? There's a ton of rumors swirling around uh, the uh, social media world also about Adams and his personal life off the court. Um, and and that was a mess in itself, and it sounds very sticky and now that that's gone public, plus on top of this and everything else here, uh, it, it doesn't seem like uh, the 66-year-old is going to recover from it. And you got to wonder, you know, Texas Tech, where they go for their head coaches? I mean, when, um, you know, they brought Beard in uh, a few, you know, and, and he was successful, and then they, were, they gave Adams the job. There were rumors that Joe Golding was going to get looked at then a couple of years ago. So they must like people in the state of Texas that do well. Hey, I keep waiting for Grant McCaslin to cash out at North Texas with all the success he's had and move to a bigger and better job. Maybe that could be a potential fit, and we could see McCaslin uh, making the jump from North Texas to Lubbock and coaching Texas Tech. I could definitely see that uh, North Texas run inside into the CUSA tournament, or regardless, maybe just a, an NIT appearance. I could see him parlaying the job that he's done building up that North Texas program, and then going off to Texas, uh, you know, and going off to Texas Tech to still do it uh, in the same state. There are a lot of great names across the state of Texas uh, that, that I would I would think would be prime candidates. And you know what? If things don't go absolutely, you know, uh, flawless for Texas. Rodney Terry's not going to be the head coach next year. No fault nope. of his own. And maybe he's a name that Texas Tech could consider. Um, you never know. I mean, I think Rodney wants to stay in uh, Power 5 as a head coach and wants to parlay this into a job. It would be interesting if Rodney to, to uh, Texas Tech gets a look. That would be really, really interesting. Um, and, you know, you say to yourself, well, who would go to Texas – and how big of a splash would they go? How about this? Billy Donovan, his name has been, uh, you know, mentioned, and he had those back-to-back uh, championships at Florida years ago. So we'll see. It, it all depends on, to me, how Rodney Terry does in the Big Twelve tournament and in the NCAA tournament. You know, if he wins the Big Twelve and goes, you know, at least two to three rounds deep in the NCAA tournament, he very well at that point might earn himself that job. And Crystal Conti might agree and look to give him that position. Look, you know that Rodney can recruit. We all know that. He's, he, he's, that's how he made his reputation. And if he can recruit enough talent and surround himself with a, with a, a, a bench team of ex-coaches that really have the X's and O's, 
And Rodney Terry could just sit back, recruit, keep and, and manage the egos, and then let the assistants handle the X's and O's. And he's got it, he's got it made at Tech, at Texas, I mean. Yeah, I would say for Rodney Terry, what he's built out there uh, and also what he's building for the future. I mean, Rodney Terry out, out right now tweeting out pictures of his incoming recruits that he he's bringing to Austin. How is he going to tell the how does the athletic department like the fact that they've got these five star, four star recruits coming with Rodney Terry? They agreed to beat play for Rodney Terry and not necessarily give him an extension like we, we talked about Mark Adams and the money that he earned at Texas Tech through that contract extension I could see Rodney Terry earning something like that at Texas that way if things go south Chris Del Conte could still fire him move on from him without having to break the bank on you know buyout fees and stuff like that um I heard early on this season that it was going to be a rough year for Texas Tech I think when uh UTEP scrimmaged them back before the season even started in Lubbock and uh, I had a conversation with head coach Joe Golding he even said uh, it's going to be uh, – this is not the same team that they were last year, and it's going to be rough. And he was right. I mean, they're a 500 team right now. Adams is out. They need, they're going to need a new head coach. I think that the interesting thing is going to be, will you be able to use the Bible verse and what he, what he did as cause, or will that not be cause? I'm interested to see how deep the contract is and what it goes into and the language in there as well. Yeah, right, and I want I want to see also does that influence Texas Tech to steer clear of any controversy for their next coach because that would eliminate if they think all right Mark Adams did something that we're not happy with whatsoever and we found out with cause that you know he should be fired yeah. in this sense and we can terminate this contract extension that we signed then we cannot turn around and and flirt with somebody like Chris Beard to maybe come back to Texas Tech today ESPN. Pete Thamel said on Outside the Lines that Chris Beard's name looms large amid a possible incoming coach search for Texas Tech. Really? Yes. I would be, wouldn't you be shocked yes. if they welcome him back after what happened and, and the circumstances in which he left? Yes. He leaves Texas Tech for Texas. How about that's a big, the biggest slap in the face ever? And in addition to Texas Tech right now being maybe a, a landing spot for Chris Beard, uh, they're reporting right now Ole Miss, which recently fi- fired uh, Kermit Davis, has not ruled out Chris Beard in their own coaching search. Oh, really? Yes. Right. Well, so that's he's also out there. Interesting. Beard is out there. And I know uh, minor fans are hoping he'd come back as an assistant uh, to Joe Golding next year. Uh, he will be doing better than that because once there were no charges filed, it's like he gets an extra lifeline and everybody knows how what he can do as a coach, not as an assistant. Uh, yeah, more than likely Chris Beard comes back as a head coach next season. Again, uh, things change fast in college basketball. Chris Beard went from hey, our discussions being from uh, you will never coach another game of college basketball to where is he going to be a head coach coming this spring uh, or this uh, this summer? Pretty wild, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. The college uh, coaching, uh, you know, it just it, it it never stops. It never never stops. Let's take a look at the 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app powered by First American Bank. This came in from Pinky. Maybe some teams are laying down on the last season game to get the better tournament seedings. Just saying. Looked like it to me over the weekend watching other games not from CUSA. Pinky, let me say this, okay? There's no way Western Kentucky is laying down to have to be in the same bracket as Florida Atlantic. That is the part that they didn't want to be in, you know? They 
um, if they would have had a better showing against North Texas, well, they could have stayed in that uh, 10-7, even, the, even possibly the 6-11, which would have put them in a bracket with UAB. So I think that if you're Western, the last thing you want is now to be in the same uh, is being the same thing as uh, Florida Atlantic. Although didn't Western Kentucky nearly beat them this year, or was that UAB? You know what? Um, it's, uh, it's hard to keep track because I know Western Kentucky has been in some competitive ones. I, I believe they beat the likes of Middle Tennessee, but when it came to their matchup against Florida Atlantic, they lost seventy six sixty two in the first time. The second time, seventy to sixty three. So yeah, closer you know, closer games. Yeah. Closer games. All right, but not great. I think maybe it was UAB that almost knocked off Florida Atlantic. It could be the case. I don't know. But um, also on the mobile app from uh, this comes from one of our listeners. uh, M. Urias uh, messages us. I agree, Steve. If Joe Golding wants this program playing at a high level, he has to bring high level talent. I don't think these two incoming freshmen will have an immediate impact. Yeah, I, I, I also um, echo those sentiments. I mean, if you can uh, take a, a a core returning group of five guys, let's just say, and add to that with four high-level, high-profile guys you could get from the portal and have a good rotation of nine, you hope you don't need to rely on true freshmen to round out that rotation. I think it's really important to keep a nucleus. It doesn't have to be the best five or whatever, six guys to stay, but I think it's important to keep a nucleus, to have some continuity year after year. Look at the top four teams in the league. They all have continuity. They sure do. All right, 16 past. We'll come back and we'll uh, keep this thing moving with Brett Bloomquist, who will join us to talk about the men and women heading into the tournament this week. We'll do that right after Charlie One, who's back with another traffic update. Talk as we continue. 21 past the hour. All right, we got a lot more in store for you today. In fact, uh, we've got guests uh, like this one who's going to come on the air and uh, say a few, uh, talk a little bit about the UTEP men's and women's teams, which uh, we are excited about. And by the way, I want to thank uh, Daniel Pedroza for coming down here and taking care of the show for us, producing right now. Way to go, Daniel. Excellent stuff. As we uh, say hello to uh, Brett Bloomquist from the El Paso Times. He'll be heading out in a couple days out to Frisco to cover the UTEP men and the UTEP women. But first, he joins us here on the program. Bloomy, how are you today? I am uh, surviving. Kind of a busy day for what's supposed to be an off day, but I'm enjoying it now. It's always busy for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, a little little extra this time of year. That's another, true. For another week. Well, think about it. You're covering UTEP spring football plus the men and the women. I mean, you've got all three beats right now at the same time. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, also the locomotive open this week. So it's, <laughs> it's cr- crazy busy, and then it'll completely change a week from now. That's true. Uh, let's talk first uh, about what's going to be happening in Frisco with both the men and the women. Um the men, you know, they get uh, the the nine draw. We were kind of hoping they would they would stay in the ten spot or move up to the uh, seven spot because North Texas is such a better second round matchup for them than Florida Atlantic. But in retrospect, you still have to win the first day, and now they draw probably the toughest first round opponent in Western Kentucky. I mean, from a draw standpoint, uh, this has got to be as tough uh, as uh, the Miners could have had it. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're playing a team that swept them twice, and, you know, I was asking both Golding and Baker, since it's relative to both of them in different ways, you know, what do you think about the whole beating someone three times in a season? And they 
both kind of agreed. <laughs> You'd rather have beaten the other team twice before you play them the third time. But, um, you know, yeah, but, but you know, they've been so competitive in both games against Western Kentucky. I think, you know, I think they'll come in with some confidence. I mean, the, the one problem, of course, Western Kentucky has that seven foot five guy in the middle that, you know, what he gets best at is dunking the ball, and that becomes a lot harder when you're going up against that guy. But, you know, I mean, I think they'll look at that game that they played in the other day here, and, you know, it was a two point game in the final minute and a half, and, of course, lost by five. So, you know, I think they'll take some confidence into it. But, yeah, but you look at everybody that was around, that they finished around them. And, you know, I think if Florida International had lost to Rice, I think. Utah Bight could have ended up as a seven seed or something like that. But yep. at any rate, you know, they've got what they've got. And I think, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll go in thinking they have it, playing with some confidence, thinking they're going to have a chance to beat a team that was just a couple points better than them last week. And uh, two days later, uh, they got annihilated by uh, North Texas. I think uh, we were talking about that earlier, Brett. Western Kentucky scored 33 points in the game. Was uh, just a miserable like 20, uh, 29% from the field in that one. So funny that they shot so well against a UTEP team that usually is known to be you know, a, a, def- a team that brings their defense, and then they turn around and, and two days later just lay a colossal leg against North Texas. That's part of the problem with why Western Kentucky is the eighth seed. You don't know which Hilltoppers team you're going to get from game to game. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, that that is probably true of, of you know, all the people UTEP could have played. They may have the highest ceiling and the lowest floor, you know, of, of those teams, you know, seated within three or four spots at UTEP. Uh, and, but, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing if, you, if you're looking at it from UTEP's perspective. I mean, yeah, I mean, they did play terribly yesterday. Maybe, maybe you'll see that again. Of course, I imagine North Texas had a lot to do with that. That's a fantastic defensive team that plays at a – tempo that's going to do that to you but yeah you know i i just come in thinking utep's going to have a chance i in in that game i don't know that they'd have a chance against florida atlantic but i i i do think they have a you know i think they're gonna have a chance because western Kentucky. well let's put it this way i feel like you're right north um florida atlantic is one of the few teams that they're going to they would probably struggle against everybody struggled against fau for the most part this year but uh western kentucky is uh, is their first round draw and uh, you think about really where the way this season has gone, I would say Saturday's game against Middle Tennessee was kind of what fans have been hoping for this year, right? They they were able to play good defense. They shot the ball well from three-point land. They shot the ball well from inside the stripe. And ultimately, um, you know, they they had a great first half and, and kind of cruised against Middle Tennessee. I mean, you know, as weird as this season has been for UTEP, that was, I think, kind of like the game that a lot of minor fans hope they would see more of this season. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how sustainable shooting as well as they did that game is because that's just not a good shooting team. But, yeah, when they make shots, when they hit threes, you know, that, that can be a dangerous team. I mean, they've been a very competitive team as the worst three-point shooting team in the country. So you figure just a, a marginal improvement there. And, you know, as I wrote one of my leads earlier this year, if they were a bad free-throw shooting team instead of a terrible free-throw shooting team, they'd probably have four more wins right now. So, and you know, those are things that can get fixed for, for you know, a one, one or two-game stretch, as we saw yesterday against Middle. You know, when you kind of shoots the ball like that, they're going to – they're going to be a, a, a very tough out. You know, I, I would say if they shoot the ball like that, I, I think they will beat Western Kentucky. I mean, it's going to be 
a challenge to see if they can do that. You know, I mean, that would be two games in a row if they did that. Although they shot it pretty well against Western Kentucky, too, uh, two games ago. So, I mean, that's going to be hard because they're not a good shooting team. But if they can do that, you know, I would almost say I'd expect them to win that game. Brett Bloomquist covers the UTEP uh, basketball teams uh, for the El Paso Times. He joins us here on Sports Talk as we continue, Adrian. Uh, Bloomy, I want to ask you a little bit about this Conference USA tournament, uh, especially about the star at Frisco and actually watching it itself and what, what it is uh, like. What is the fan experience like and how is it ex- has it changed? Because I know they play two games at once. You know, It's obviously the big curtain uh, that, that kind of divides everything in between. What's that like for fans? You know, I, I think it's really cool, uh, but uh, – I don't know if this is breaking news or not, but they're they're not going back next year, which, uh, you know, I certainly think they could, but they evidently are not going to. In fact, what I've heard is, uh, like, uh, Huntsville, Alabama is, is like a possible spot. Yes. At any rate, I, I, like the, I like the thing in Frisco. I mean, it, I just think it's sort of neat, you know, having two games there, and you can kind of go back and forth between them. And uh, I, I think it's neat. You know, I, I just think it's sort of cool having everything right there in one spot right mm-hmm. next to each other. And, you know, I enjoy it. And I kind of just wish they'd keep going back. But evidently that's that's not in the cards, and it's also not in the cards. UTEP's not bidding for it next year. And I think it's going to be an open bid process. And I think that's something that UTEP could probably get if they did bid on it. But that's not happening. Too bad, because when UTEP was aggressive years ago with that tournament, especially when they put the women's games at Memorial Gym, and then had the men's games at the Haskins Center. It was a really, it was kind of a nice way that they handled it. I always, I always thought that you know UTEP hosting the tournament was a pretty nice thing for El Paso and and pretty good thing for the league. I'm a little surprised, but on the flip side, I also realize the amount of work that goes into it and how they need really the sports commission to be completely on board and help out with uh, the temporary floors the way they did before. And it seems like there's just a, a lot that would go into it other than UTEP wanting it. Yeah, yeah, I mean it certainly is hard and I think that's certainly why they're not not going to bid on it. Uh, you know, let's let's also keep in mind that UTEP's a university that's won 21 national championships in track and cross country and right now is hosting zero track meets. So I mean this I mean m- money becomes an issue and uh you know, I just don't think they you're going to find a better setup than than they have here. Um you know, I'm just trying to think and, you know, I was just going through the whole conference. I think the only other place that might have a second venue which, you know, you kind of need is uh, Liberty. And I imagine Liberty's going to be hosting a lot of things in time to come because they have money. But, yeah, I think it's definitely I, – I think the overriding thing is just the cost. UTEP doesn't want doesn't to pay as much money as it would take to, to host the thing, which is a shame because I do think it is great for the conference, great for El Paso. You know, it's, I mean, everybody talks about how far it is out here, but this is an airplane league and this is an easy city to get to. So, yep, but, you know, no one asked me. More with Brett as we keep things moving here on Sports Talk. But first, right back to Adrian in this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. We've known since Saturday. So, Brett, they've got a chance to game plan uh, for the Lady Texters, just like LaTeX does for UTEP. 
There were two pretty good basketball games this season. The Miners were victorious on both sides. If they win, they get the winner of the Middle Tennessee FIU or Charlotte winner in the semifinals. So if you think about what the UTEP women have done this year, uh, their road into this uh, tournament looks uh, much more favorable right now, not just because of seeding, but because of matchups. Yeah, you know, and, you know, start off with Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and but then, you know, middle, I, I wouldn't have, coming into the weekend, I wouldn't have thought there would be any way they could beat middle again. And they just about did, you know, took them to overtime, had a five-point late lead. I think if they go, they'll they'll go into that game with with a lot of confidence if they if they play middle and sit well. And I guarantee you, middle's going to beat FIU or Charlotte. Uh, it'll be middle, and uh, you know it, there you're probably in a situation where also you know middle's probably not going to be as desperate. They'll probably already have uh, an NCAA tournament bid probably mm-hmm. in hand. Although I don't know how comfortable they feel about that, but I mean I just think UTEP. After what they did there at middle, just take you know playing them into overtime against a team that you know I consider that a must-win game for middle in terms of you know positioning themselves for NCAA at large if something goes wrong in Frisco, um, you know against a team that had beaten them twice in a row. I just thought middle had so much motivation. And UTEP comes from 15 down to take them to overtime. Uh, yeah, I think UTEP would feel very good about that. And uh, you know I think I think right now that for a team that's lost two games, they're kind of coming in hot. I mean in terms of you know, they've just played two superb games there on that road trip to lose to the two best teams in the conference in last possession games. So I, I think they've got a lot to feel good about going in, going up there. They're 19-10, and 10, so if they beat Louisiana Tech in the quarterfinals, that ensures the first 20-win season for Kevin Baker and then a chance to go into the semis. And, and really, when you look at the way this season has gone, you can make the argument this is by far the best season Kevin Baker has had, not just record-wise, but the way this team has played all year long. Yeah, I think so. You know, a couple years ago, I thought they dealt really well with the COVID and ended up, you know, having the third best team in the conference out of 14 in the regular season. Uh, you know, but I mean, that's all such a goofy year with the COVID. And I think that just it was a case that they probably dealt with it better than a lot of other people did. But yeah, I definitely think this is the best team. I mean, I look at it, they don't have a superstar. They've had zero conference players of the week. Um, but, you know, I, you know, they, they also have put five players in double figures fairly frequently. So, yeah, I think I think there's you know a lot to say about the team. It's a pretty balanced team. I think they can get their points from a lot of places, and uh, you know they easily don't struggle with score. I, yeah, I I definitely I, it passes the eye test as the best team. I mean, you know the record they had in the COVID year was pretty good, but yeah, by the eye test, yeah, I think this is Baker's best team. Considering Petrie gets hurt after two games and has not been back since, and you look at the group that's come back to really uh, you know, be there, that you're right. They do have uh, five, if not six, players you can rely on for pretty good games on a game-in, game-out basis. That, that's a tribute to, uh, to, to what they built this year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think right now they kind of shorten their rotation to, to eight. But, well, I, I, you know, I think all eight of those are – good players who, who can really help them. I mean, I, I think it's a deep team. I think they've got a lot of different options, a lot of different ways they can – a lot of different people who can put the ball in the net. And, uh, you know, I, I think can put some pretty good combinations of players out there. Yeah, this is – you know, that's – it's a really – they've got a really high ceiling, and they, I think, found it twice in their two games against middle. And that's a – you know, that's a really good basketball team. I mean, they, you know, beat the number 21 team in the country when middle was 21 and almost beat them when – Middle was 24. So, yeah, I mean, I think, 
you know, I, I think when UTEP plays their best, they, yeah, they, they're as good as a top 25 team. Could you see UTEP playing in the postseason even if they don't win this tournament? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I, I, I really, you know, I, I thought a, a beaten middle would, would have clinched it. But I still think if they get to 20 wins, yeah, WNIT, I mean, and the WNIT knows they'll have a great crowd if they have it in El Paso. I would think they have built some some credibility with that tournament in terms of, you know, that tournament knows that they will put people in the stands. So, uh, and, and that should be such a big priority for the WNIT. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely they should be in the WNIT. We'll see if they are, but I, I would just think the WNIT would want them. I would think so too. Um, I know that in the past, UTEP has declined postseason opportunities for teams when they don't think they can sell tickets. But I agree with you in this. Uh, because of this success in the past, if the WNIT gives UTEP home games and the Miners price it affordably like they have in the past, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get a couple thousand easily to start. And if they keep rolling, the crowds will grow and grow. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's history there. I mean, that's the thing. You can look at 14, you can look at 16, and uh, – you know, and I'm sure the WNIT will. And, I mean, in both of those tournaments, every round, they had the biggest attendance by a lot in every single round. Uh, and then, you know, I think the four biggest, you know, in, in 2014, the four biggest crowds of the tournament, the whole tournament were their last four games. And, you know, it was the same way in 2016 with their last two games. So, yeah, I, they've proven that. You know, the same people put on this, put on the volleyball thing. And, you know, the volleyball team sold out um, – Memorial Gym, and uh, yeah, I, I just would think UTEP's going to get some credit there for that. All right. Uh, what do you have coming up? you going to give us, uh, on, at the Times, uh, some previews uh, for the Seawood State Tournament this week? Uh, well, for the women, it's doing something on, uh, you know, since I've been covering them, they probably had more Latvians than Dallas players, but all of a sudden they've got four kids from Dallas going home for this tournament. So that's sort of my, my uh, that'll be my women's kind of advance for the men. Just kind of looking at Zarek Yema, who's uh, all of a sudden really come on. I think he's suddenly, you know, he's, he's suddenly become a, a pretty elite center in Conference USA. So just kind of looking at him, you know, he's the he, he's the one guy on the on the men's team who could transfer with a free transfer year, but yet I think he's the one who has probably the most the most loyalty of anybody there. So I, I'd expect him back. Anyway, just kind of kind of looking at Zarek and what kind of years he's had. Looking forward to it. Great job as always, Bloomy. Thanks for the time. All right, man. Take care. Rep Bloomquist as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right, 19 in front of 6. We'll be back to wrap up Hour 2 and look ahead to our 6 o'clock hour. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Thank you, Keyshawn. Welcome back, everybody, as Sports Talk continues. 11 in front of 6 right now. Good job by Daniel keeping us going during that spot with Bloomy. Brett Bloomquist, El Paso Times. Adrian, I know uh, things are good with you. Busy weekend, a lot to talk about. Yes. Uh, first off, I, I got to ask you every week. I'm always more interested than ever, but uh, how's the new water system working out right now thanks to clean water of El Paso? You know what, Steve? I've got a great report for you. Uh, I've noticed some great, uh, I guess, improvements with my skin. Uh, I used to deal with just basic things like eczema or, or even acne when it came to my skin, and I was always worried about the water that I was using, and I was... when. 
when I was speaking to John Garcia from Clean Water of El Paso, he was actually telling me, hey, shower. And after a, you know, a couple weeks, you'll notice the difference. Well, he was exactly right because after only a few weeks, uh, my eczema was completely gone. And I just had it, you know, on my elbow, you know, just that kind of thing. Nothing too crazy, but it was completely gone. And then not only that, but my wife is also love, loving it for her hair. She's noticing her hair is less oily. She's using less shampoo and conditioner. So what we're experiencing so far from Clean Water of El Paso is nothing short of amazing. I highly recommend it. You can get a free water analysis today. All you have to do is just go online, cleanwaterofelpaso.com, schedule that free water analysis, get a quote, and see how you could start with Clean Water of El Paso, or you could just call them. Give them a call, 915-856-0059. That's 915-856-0059 with Clean Water of El Paso. Happy to hear that things are going great with you and Alyssa with that system. That is great news. And uh, all I can tell you is over the years, a lot of people I've known have uh, have called, gotten that water analysis, put the system in, and a lot of great endings just like that. So that's awesome stuff. Keep me uh, keep us updated on how things Definitely. are going. Excellent. Nine uh, in front of six right now as we continue here on Sports Talk. It is championship week in college basketball. In fact, Furman, uh, they're wrapping up the first half against Chattanooga. Furman's the one seed. Chattanooga is the seventh seed in the SoCon Championship. 36-33 is currently the score. Um, and you wonder if uh, Furman will be able to punch their ticket in as the number one seed or, or uh, Chattanooga could play the role of uh, the Cinderella upset story if they can squeak in as a seven seed. Yeah, you know, Steve, uh, we're talking about all these mid-majors right now, uh, finalizing and wrapping up their conference tournaments. Two teams that will be Conference USA members went at it this past weekend, speaking of Kennesaw State and Liberty. And in fact, Kennesaw State actually came out on top out of the A-Sun. They will be the representatives heading to the NCAA tournament. It is their first uh, A-Sun championship and their first trip to the NCAA tournament. They'll be joining Conference USA in two years. Meanwhile, Liberty will join this fall. So both of them uh, competing in the championship of their conference. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what Liberty can do. I I really am, especially um, I've heard a lot of good things about the A-Sun. And by the way, what a game it turned out to be. 67-66. One point winner for Kennesaw State, who finished the year 26-8, and Liberty Falls to also say 26-8 and with the loss. But you're right. These are two teams that have dominated the A-Sun. I'll be interested to see what kind of success they'll have moving into a Conference USA. Wow, I just realized, I don't know if you knew this, um, their, Kennesaw State's uh, head coach is Amir Abdul-Rahim, who is the uh, sibling of Sharif Abdul-Rahim. That's cool. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. That's good to know. And again, a basketball program that is, uh, you know, I mean, you win 26 games, uh, that says something. Same with Liberty, 26 and 8. They're going to be good. I mean, that's, that's the thing to understand. Um, you got to figure New Mexico State will find a coach that will be able to come in and 
I don't really expect them to be down next season. I think they'll reload because that's just what they do. So I think between Liberty, New Mexico State, also interested to see what Sam Houston brings to the table. Basketball is going to be a really good league. You know, Sam Houston State right now, second overall in the WAC. They are 24-6, and coming off a great season. I mean, uh, simply put, they have won, Steve, uh, I believe it's something like 11 of their last 12 games. Just a, a great run that this team has had recently. And yeah, the Bearcats, they could even win the WAC and go to the NCAA tournament this year. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you look at teams that are leaving um, and, and who they are. UTSA has been horrible this year. Florida Atlantic, we know. North uh, North Texas and UAB, good teams, having three great seasons. Charlotte's just been okay. Rice, same thing, been okay. But when you're replacing teams with more good teams, especially in basketball, it uh, means you're not going to really drop off. In fact, they're not going to be as as large a league after this, which means it might even be that much better of a conference. Right. I will also I will also say no one saw this coming from FAU. Dusty May could end up getting a job next year for all we know at the Power Five level. Uh, Grant McCaslin, we mentioned him in the rumors for uh, a bigger job down the road. Maybe he leaves and same with you know Andy Kennedy. He goes to UAB. That's his alma mater right yeah. there. But has he hit the the peak over there with UAB? And would he consider parlaying that? Uh, into another job in the future. Louisiana Tech is traditionally a pretty good basketball program. You know they're going to be up. FIU, which has been garbage for years, looked pretty competitive this year. And you yeah. want to know something? They just went in and beat Rice. They're a team that could be on the rise. Top to bottom, this league might be much better than people are looking at for next season. Yeah, I like coaches like Rick Stansberry from Western Kentucky. Talvin Hester is a nice coach for Louisiana Tech. Why not for the New Look Conference, you say? We'll talk more about it in our 6 o'clock hours. Stay with us. Plenty of sports talk to get to. More of your phone calls as well. 505-6009 as we continue right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, a lot of uh, UTEP news as we've talked. UTEP hoops since the Conference USA tournaments will start up this week in Frisco. Our coverage will start Wednesday. No show on Wednesday. In fact, We might not even have a show Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, at least Friday until about 5.30. Let me explain. So um, Wednesday, the men will play Western Kentucky. 4 o'clock countdown to tip off, 4.30. That game gets going. Minor talk following the game. If the Miners win on Wednesday, they will play Thursday, same game time, 4.30, which means we will not be on the air Thursday because UTEP will be playing FAU, awaiting the winner of the UTEP Western Kentucky game. So that, uh, again, will be happening Thursday. So if the Miners lose, yes, we'll be on Thursday afternoon. If they win, we will not be on Thursday. So we'll have two days of no sports talk. Uh, as for the women, they play Thursday at 10.30 um, against Louisiana Tech. Our coverage will start at 10.25 a.m. John Teicher, Steve Yellen will be calling both the men and the women during the CUSA championships in Frisco. If the women are victorious against Louisiana Tech, that means most likely they play Middle Tennessee, but they have to, would have to get through their quarterfinal matchup as well. And that game would be Friday at 3.30 So Friday, 3.30, UTEP would play in the semifinals. And in that case, we would probably be going on the air with Sports Talk around 5.30, 5.45, maybe for about an hour. 
And that's kind of the situation uh, that we've got for you this week. So could be a lot of UTEP basketball. We could, we've got at least two games, hopefully a lot more than that, Adrian, as the Miners uh, try to make a run. You know what? Especially on the women's side, Steve, it feels like this could be the year where they go further in the tournament than we've seen in years past, which is, you know, a testament to what Kevin Baker has built here uh, with the women's basketball program. It feels like the eyes are on them. Uh, maybe a little bit of uh, a pressure might be on them to move further in the uh, tournament that they have in years past, and I think that's good. It's warranted for this squad, and I think uh, this is a squad who could really rise to the occasion. After the win against Middle Tennessee at home, I'm still not convinced that the men can make a run in this USA tournament, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of being realistic when it oh, comes yeah. to this right here, but uh, nonetheless, who's to say no? Who's to say they can't make a little bit of a run? Look, uh, you have to understand something, okay? Uh, there is the optimistic side and there's the realistic side and if you've watched UTEP men's basketball all year long and you want to be realistic you know beating Western Kentucky and just getting into that that uh, quarterfinal matchup against Florida Atlantic that would be a big deal a big deal for a team that was 10th heading into Saturday's game and has lost uh, a, a plenty of close games that they've been in but lost a good chunk of them in Conference USA play uh, the truth is the Miners put themselves in this spot. You know, it's not like uh, other things happened. Did they lose Mario McKinney about a month ago? Yes, they did. Um, and, and that didn't help, okay? That did not help. Did they lose John Dos Anjos to an injury? Absolutely they did. And that didn't help. But you know what? You play with the cards you're dealt with. And the fact is that they've had more than enough depth on this team to try to withstand a couple of those losses and still perform. And Saturday they did against Middle Tennessee. Adrian, you're right. They looked good against uh, the Blue Raiders. They looked really good. In fact, probably the best they've looked in a long time in terms of a quality opponent that's been here at the Don. Also, just to snap a five-game home losing streak, imagine they close out the year on a six-game home losing streak. That's almost unheard of with UTEP yep. basketball, especially in CUSA. So um, I don't care if it's the fourth-ranked team, the first-ranked team, the 11th-ranked team in the league. You don't lose uh, league games at home. And UTEP winning this past Saturday, albeit it didn't really mean much in the regular season, but I, f I felt like it was a quality victory for the Miners. And to be honest with you, out of the 14 wins, it's hard to find the quality victories this year for the Miners, so you'll hold on and hang on to those. You sure do. In fact, uh, the game on Saturday had some award winners to give out. Let's start off first with our hot hand of the game, which is brought to you by Wind Supply El Paso. Who did the hot hand go to? We went with uh, Calvin Solomon in this game. He was uh, in this one 14 points, 3 of 8 from the floor, and also chipped in with 3 steals. Love what he did defensively. 32 minutes of action was also plus eight uh, in terms of his efficiency, so we gave it to Calvin Solomon what he was able to do. Awesome. By the way, uh, Wind Supply El Paso not only is your home for champion uh, heating and cooling, and yep, weather's starting to heat up. I saw the temperature is going to be in the 70s this week, so you got to start thinking about that uh, conversion into refrigerated air. Uh, also, they, have, they carry Ream products, specifically Ream water heaters. And I should know, because I just put in a Ream tankless water heater from, yep, you guessed it, Wind Supply El Paso last Monday when my water heater started leaking after 12 years. And you know what? I got good mileage out of it. I'll be honest with you. I was going to get a tankless just to have preventative uh, maintenance and just put it in, even though my water heater uh, didn't give out. And it just so happens that... The day I was going to go pick up the tankless, 
is uh, basically the day that uh, my regular water heater gave out. And uh, by the way, love the new tankless heater. Love what it's doing for the family. If you want to learn more, just go online, windsupplyelpaso.com. You can see what I've seen, windsupplyelpaso.com. Let's talk now about player of the game, Adrian. Yeah, so for player of the game, it was hard not to go with senior Shamar Givens. On senior day specifically, uh, I feel like we should have at least given him the hot hand. But nonetheless, we went with Otis Frazier third Because when it came down to the uh, key moments of this game, Otis Frazier third always had the biggest bucket, at, we felt like, against Middle Tennessee. He also contributed with, with double figures in scoring 5 of 8 from the floor and he contributed with three steals as well defensively, was UTEP's most efficient player at plus 19 on Saturday, had two turnovers, but also uh, chipped in with four rebounds in this game. Just loved Otis Frazier all around in this one. He's given you some glimpses, hasn't yes. he, of what we could actually see if he continues his developmental, uh, you know, charted UTEP. You asked uh, earlier, we don't really, you know, will we see much out of a freshman to come to UTEP? I mean, you know, he didn't really play much at George Mason at all. This is really uh, Otis Frazier III's freshman year of actually playing full extended minutes and for that to be a starter on a team like UTEP, I think it's it's noteworthy. I want Otis Frazier back next year in a big way and uh, yeah, you're right. It gets, gets you excited about what's to come. If you need custom products for your business, especially if you're looking for parts in the thousands or even the millions, look no further than uh, Keats Southwest. In fact, whether it's metal stamping, lead frames, clips, bushings, brackets, assemblies, shields, tooling, wire forming, uh, they've got it all. In fact, I toured the plant uh, not that long ago, saw the entire operation, and it blows my mind what they are producing for uh, some of the most reputable companies uh, around the world. If your company is in need and uh, is looking for a specific metal piece, metal component, this is your answer. Keats Southwest, online, keatssw.com. We continue here on Sports Talk. 11 pass. You want to talk minor basketball? We can do it. Men or women, 505-6009. The big question is this. With the kind of season the UTEP women had this year, will we see an extension for Kevin Baker? Because he could very well have his first 20-win season as a minor head coach. Good point. I, uh, with this women's basketball team, it's always also about what's the future, what's coming next, what recruits are they bringing in, what do they hope to do in the future. And uh, with head coach Kevin Baker, this is a milestone type of year if you're able to achieve uh, that 20 win mark. I, I don't know, Steve. It's 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 a toss up for me. I'll be like, if I'm being uh, you know just objective and I'm looking at Kevin Baker's time here at UTEP, you know, over the the course of the years he's been here since 2017. I think you've seen the best and you've seen some of the the you know the low points with him uh but I at, at the same time they've always been competitive at least to start off the year they're always out there in in contention uh I don't know if it's enough and warranted to give him an extension maybe it is well first off 
I don't even know how many years are left on his current deal because I haven't seen what's gone on the last couple. I don't know if it's going to be expiring soon. That's another thing. How many more years does Kevin Baker even have on his contract? It's a shame because we know so much about the men's coaches, but sometimes, Adrian, the truth is we don't know as much about women's coaches and their salaries and contracts like we do the men. Right, because we can always reference releases. We can re- reference their website and all that kind of stuff, but sometimes things go on behind the scenes and we and we don't know about some of these things. Like, And it might just be as simple as adding a year to the deal but sometimes we're we're kind of uh they keep us behind the scenes on some of these uh certain topics right here 13 past the hour as we continue here on sports talk line ringing in 505-6009 that is our telephone number 505-6009 as uh, sports talk continues and uh by the way this is interesting so baker had a two-year extension uh, back in August of 21 that ensured that he would stay on the bench through the 23-24 season, which is next season. And you would have to think that a season like this would get him at least one year, if not potentially two more years tacked on to that, which would put him there through 26. So uh, I will be interested to see if, in fact, Kevin Baker can get uh, you know more years added to uh, his contract, which is set to expire after next season, especially if this team ends up uh, playing in the postseason, whether it's uh, you know the NCAA like everybody would love or the WNIT. Either would be terrific. Uh, let me go to the phones right now because I know UTEP Zay wants to chime in a little bit on the UTEP women. He's been following them all year long. Zay, how are you? Um, I'm doing good, and uh, I was just I was uh, I was listening in, and you guys were talking about the women's team, and uh, I just I think this team could have been so much better if injuries hadn't derailed some of their some of their key players like Mari Petrie yep. and then the two JUCO transfers and Zane Thompson and, and Beyonce Powell, who I think would have made huge differences in this team, especially when it comes to shooting. Powell was one of the best JUCO shooters last year. Um, hopefully, you know everything goes good with their rehab, and she's back for next year. Uh, after you know a redshirt this year, so uh, I think this team could have been a top twenty-five team if they were fully healthy. But uh, you, you really never know. But uh, yeah, now you never do. You truly don't know. I mean, but in your mind, the kind of season they've had with the injuries and really a fourth place finish, nearly uh, sweeping the series with Middle Tennessee, uh, you would probably expect Kevin Baker to earn at least another year on that contract, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. What he's been able to do, bring in the players that he's been able to bring in, and uh, you know, just to get over some of the adversities that they've had to go through the, the past couple of years. Yeah, I think that he would get it. You know, at least one more year after this one. Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably what's going to be happening too. So, uh, will the miners be able to get past Louisiana Tech for three straight years and find themselves, or sorry, three straight meetings and find themselves in the semifinals? Um, it, it's tough, right? It's tough because it's hard to beat a team three straight times. But uh, I think they could do. I think it's a good matchup for the Miners, and um, I think they they really kind of got lucky with the seeding. They avoid you know Rice and West Kentucky, who both swept them. So you know it's it's good seeding. You, you obviously have to get past Middle Tennessee, but we we've, we've seen that they can do it. And now they you know they were in foul trouble that game. You know they they went to overtime without Kraus or Jazzy on Jackson. So um, I think they can really beat Middle Tennessee. It will come down to who they play in the championship game if they get that far. Big if. Let's hope so. All right, good job, Zay. Appreciate you chiming in today. Thanks for the time. Thanks. 
UTEP Zay giving us a few minutes here. 16 passes. We go to Charlie 1. Let's get that traffic update we've been waiting for. Charlie, uh, how are we looking here in the 6 o'clock hour? That is our telephone number as uh, we continue here on the show today. And again, a lot of UTEP talk, a lot of UTEP uh, conversation, and we are all uh, in for the Conference USA Basketball Tournament, the men and the women. So we'll have it for you Wednesday. No show for us because we've got the tournament starting at 4 with the countdown to tip-off. Women, Thursday, 10.30 a.m. They'll get on the air at 10.25. Breakfast with the Miners. That's what it's all about. John Teicher, Steve Yellen will be delivering UTEP women's basketball Thursday morning as well. Looking forward to all that. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. Meanwhile. So much football. So much football. Derek Carr to the Saints. Um, Geno Smith gets a $105 million three-year extension with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Tony Pollard, franchise tag. Uh, Josh Jacobs, franchise tagged. So, And then what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? Well, here's what's going to happen. If they can't get a deal done with Lamar by tomorrow at 2 o'clock, they will franchise him. Now, the question is going to be, and Ozzie Newsom didn't answer this, what franchise tag will it be? Will it be the non-exclusive tag, which is possible? Because that's what ESPN is reporting, which gives them a chance to negotiate with other teams, which could put a Ravens exit in play. Now, remember. The non-exclusive tag works like this. Teams can negotiate a contract with Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens have the power to match the offer. But if Baltimore declines and Jackson signs with the team that he agreed to the offer sheet, the Ravens will then receive two first-round picks from that team in compensation. Now, um, it's so interesting to think about this. So, like last season, Lamar Jackson... 17 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He completed 62% of his passes for 2,242 yards. But Jackson missed some games with injury. He didn't play the whole season. Understand this. He is one of six players in the history of the league. And by the way, he's 26 years old. Six in the history of the league to reach 100-plus passing touchdowns and 4,000-plus rushing yards so far in his career. He is the fastest to reach that mark by 31 games. That is huge. In fact, the Ravens average almost 200 yards a game on the ground when he's their starting quarterback, 184.8. So those are monster numbers. Now, if you're a Jets fan, you know, Everybody's talking about losing Derek Carr today and going out and getting Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. He's going to cost at least one first-round draft pick. At least one going to Green Bay. If you're the Jets, do you monitor the situation with Lamar Jackson? And if he gets the non-exclusive franchise tag at 2 o'clock tomorrow for the Baltimore Ravens, do you extend him? an offer that if Baltimore passes, yeah, you give up your two first-round picks, but you've locked in your quarterback 
for the next five-plus years, and you're getting a 26-year-old in his prime, not a 39-year-old that has maybe two years left in him, who will still cost you at least one first-round pick. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I mean, when you're dealing with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, to me, there's just a no-brainer whatsoever. You go after that quarterback, you spend the money on him, you spend the draft picks to try to get him, and if the Ravens are dumb enough to go with the non-exclusive franchise tender, they're not getting the deal done by tomorrow. I'll just I'll, I'll break the news for you right now. That deal is not getting done. But if they go with the non-exclusive franchise tag, you're essentially saving $10 million, which that's it. And that tells me for right there from the Baltimore perspective that they're okay with not mending the relationship. They're okay with moving on from Lamar Jackson, which it, it, to me, in my opinion, as a front office, there is no excuse for letting that happen. Uh, if I'm the front office, if I'm uh, DaCosta, if I'm Harbaugh, I am pushing to get that uh, exclusive franchise tag done and then working on that long-term extension bet- from now all the way till when tra- fall training camp starts because that's the next part that you get a little worried about if you're the Ravens, a potential holdout uh, from Lamar Jackson if he goes with the exclusive franchise tag. Oh, I'm with you. I am with you. Um, but I'm, I'm interested because, like, if, if he's available, it's not just the Jets. Carolina could throw a monster deal at Lamar Jackson, which would make a lot of sense, too. I could see Carolina doing that. That would fit right right in there. And then Lamar doesn't have to play in the New York spotlight. He goes to a place kind of like Baltimore where he can just do his thing and not have to worry about the media being on him and the fans and all that the way you know it is in New York. So I could see that happening too. In fact, maybe Carolina is a better scenario for Lamar Jackson if they get the non-exclusive uh, franchise than New York with Aaron Rodgers, especially since the Jets organization has already made it known that it's Aaron Rodgers and everybody else as far as the quarterback market goes. Yeah, that's a it's a really good point right there. With uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, everybody loves the dual-threat quarterback out there. The durability, I, I get it. He's missed some time. But at the same point, uh, he he's played in over uh, 14 games in each of his five seasons playing in the NFL, which is impressive in itself. Or he's averaging 14 games a season, which is impressive in, in itself. Like you said, he's young. Uh, 26 years old. Uh, I would I would look at maybe you know birthplace of Lamar Jackson. Maybe he likes to go to his backyard in uh, in Florida and think maybe I go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and and be their uh, quarterback now that Brady's gone. They don't have a quarterback either. Yeah, exactly. That could be a, a landing spot. But I, I could probably reel off ten plus teams, Steve, who yep. need a quarterback. I, there are so many teams out there who are desperate to change their quarterback uh, situation. Uh, there are teams who have fixed on guys in the NFL draft, but what's a better surefire decision than go with Lamar Jackson, who's going to make you a contender if he's healthy and on your team? 26 years old and in his prime. Yes. that's And you said it, healthy. That's the, that's the only downside with Lamar Jackson is health. I would say this. The Ravens designed an offense to make him more of a running quarterback, so he was going to take more of those hits. He didn't have those number one receivers any of his years in, uh, you know, in the with the Ravens. You can maybe argue for Hollywood Brown, but he was still young. He was inexperienced when he first was drafted to Baltimore and didn't really have time to become a true number one receiver. So maybe you argue, if you give 
give him if you bring him to a team with more uh, you know options at the receiver position, you don't have to worry about him running as much. He's a prolific passer, one of the top ten passers in the league, yep. and and one of the best running uh, quarterbacks that we're ever going to see. Thirty-two past the hour. Let's uh, keep things moving with Sports Center, and if you want to weigh in on the NFL discussion, we'd love to hear from you, especially the uh, Pollard franchise story. If Tony Pollard was franchised by the Cowboys, what happens now to uh, Zeke? Do you let him go? Do you have him renegotiate? What do you do? 505-6009. Here's Adrian one last time. Uh, One thing to mention about the topic we just talked about, Lamar Jackson. Uh, According to Brian Costello, covers the Jets for NewYorkPost.com, he said two problems. One, Joe Douglas is probably not going to be willing to give up two first-round picks, but also... Owner Woody Johnson will probably not want to give Lamar Jackson the fully guaranteed contract that he reportedly wants. So the Jets might not even be in play for Lamar Jackson. And more talk is about Jimmy Garoppolo as a backup if, in fact, uh, they they miss out on um, you know one Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not and that doesn't bother me. I like Jimmy G a lot. My biggest problem with Jimmy G is health. I think that if he's healthy with this veteran team, he's just fine. Plus, he's worked with Sala in San Francisco years ago when he was a defensive coordinator over there. My bigger issue with Garoppolo is just if he can stay healthy. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, he wasn't able to stay healthy in San Francisco. It may have cost them a championship. Like, uh, if Jimmy G had been simply healthy in SF over the last four years, we might be talking about Jimmy G as a Super Bowl winner uh, for maybe even multiple years, just knowing what kind of player he was. Uh, there are other options. They're not great, Steve. I'll, I'll be um, you know very honest with you. Jacoby Brissett. Andy Dalton, those guys aren't going to change your franchise right there. They no, might they're be not. solid backups for you, but they're not going to be difference makers whatsoever. Uh, so I would say this, when it comes to just the limited options and now how they're starting to dwindle for what the Jets could see coming in as a quarterback right now, uh, Jimmy G, if you don't overpay to get him, that, that might be your best bet right there. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, really. So, um, yep, but you're right. Jimmy G could be, uh, you know, could be the answer. And he won't cost them first-round picks, I'll say that. He'll be a free agent. Yeah, and, and they might be able, again, they might be able to do it on a shorter-term deal right. where it, they don't have to break the bank. But then again, you have other teams right now who don't want to draft a quarterback. I'll give you a, a perfect example. Uh, the Raiders, they're not, they well, there's an argument that they get maybe like a Will Levis. They don't necessarily land a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Maybe they get Will Levis out of Kentucky, but still he's a project. He's a work in progress, and uh, they can't throw him in day one and expect him to be uh, the day one starter so they could go out make a run at Jimmy G and and spend a lot of money knowing that Josh McDaniels has uh, connections with Jimmy Garoppolo back in New England Garoppolo makes a lot of sense to Vegas he really does just like he makes sense to the Jets I mean, it won't cost them much and um, you know you've got you've already got veteran well you don't have I mean you've got veteran receivers on the on the Raiders you've got just young studs on the Jets is basically what you have right. bunch of young receivers Elijah Moore Garrett Wilson I mean they're young but they're but you know they're they're ready now 
That's why I feel like the Lamar case is is there because you don't have to worry about paying a running back, a receiver. You got those guys under contracts, under their rookie deals. Why not strike when you have a chance to do it, when you can move around salary cap? And if things don't work out with Lamar year three, year four, that's fine. He's a tradable guy. If Even if things work out to where he's injury riddled in his first couple years of his uh, contract, he's still a movable contract knowing what we've seen from him. He's an a former MVP. Here's, my, here's the only downside I have to Lamar Jackson, okay? He's only thrown for 3,000-plus yards once. Because he's throat. running. He's a, he balances now. I, I understand that. But I've also seen him as a guy that's a, a 62% uh, quarterback passer, 64, 62. So I don't know. If you if you have him run less, is is Lamar J- – and, and plus, you look at the last couple of years, you know, in 2021 – 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. This past year, 17 and 7. He was better uh, in 19 and 20 than he was obviously in 21 and 22. But last two years, 33 and 20. 33 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. I don't I mean, and, and the kind of money he's going to want and the two first round picks. It's a lot to give. I'm still good with it. a lot to give. I, I compare it with the Kyler Murray numbers or the Deshaun Watson numbers. Those guys got paid, guaranteed money. They and did. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of what we saw from Deshaun Watson this past year. And Kyler Murray, there's still a lot. I mean, durability. I'd rather have Lamar. I'd rather have yes. Lamar over both of them. Me too. Me so too. I, and, and you know what? I mean, this is going to – we're, we're going to cycle through this again next year when we're talking about Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Tua Tungo-Vailoa. The point is, every year the, the quarterback market gets mm-hmm. reset. In a few – in two years, we're going to think of – of Patrick Mahomes making $50 million a year as an absolute bargain. That's just how it works with the quarterback carousel. Isn't that crazy? And guys being paid, yeah. 39 passed. All right, we'll come back. Final countdown next. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.